Hey, I'm Pastor Dave. Welcome to the Lighthouse. We hope the Lord speaks to you today by his word. Back in the late 80s, there was another person that jumped in headfirst and went all out for the Lord. And it's amazing what God can do in our lives as we totally surrender to him. Not my will, your will be done. It doesn't matter what background you are from. It's amazing what God can do. And I don't know, I, I don't know exactly what you're going to say, all the things you're going to say, but I definitely that you would maybe touch on where you were at at one point and, and where you, anyways, I'll let you. But I saw this jumping in, and he jumped in. It was, Don's not here today. Uh, it was Don and, and Jerry that, that with their, their mother, your mother got saved. But there is such a powerful work as we go all out, even with our flaws and our weaknesses, as we go all out for Jesus, submitting to him and, and also allowing Jesus to do the work on us. And so I saw that. So, in fact, even Don today, uh, from way back when, 25 years of age when he got saved, is not here today because he's preaching at another church. And I say, thank you, Lord, for that, for the work. That was so many years ago. So I'm going to invite Jerry. Jerry, it is always good to have Jerry. Jerry uh, was pastoring or associate pastor here back in the late 90s and uh, for about three years or so. And uh, it is so good to have you. Uh, and it's always great when you, we can get together. Brother, hey, let, let the Lord speak through you by the Holy Spirit. God bless. Good morning. Hallelujah. Is the Lord good? Amen. Oh, this is going to be long. An illustration I used with my church, I, I pastor a little church in southwest Kansas. Um, not sure I'm real good at it, but the Lord keeps telling me to stay. So, And some people keep coming. And the numbers have gone up really well for a while, and then all those kids grew up and went away to school. And I don't know, that's one of my excuses. Now we're a very small congregation, but the Lord keeps saying to stay. That whole submitted thing. Pastor Ron taught me obedience is the path to blessing. So, Well, before I get too far in, first thing I want to say is, um, let the church hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Let he who has an ear hear. God's got something in all this mess for you today. So be as attentive as you can, and God will bless you. I... Uh, Mostly I'm going to ramble, going to testify, introduce myself a little bit. I'm going to bore these. What time are we supposed to be out of here? I can't see the clock anyways. It doesn't matter. There's a big black disc right there. That's why Dave never listens to the clock. There's a, there's a clock right there. And before I got here, I could see it. But right now, it's just a black blob on the wall. So I don't know. What time are we supposed to get out? Yep.
just let the, you see, I knew he was going to say that, and I love it. I'm going to bore these people for like an hour, an hour and a half. I'm going to make you look so good, Dave. They're going to be glad to have you back, man. It's an hour to an hour and a half off, yeah. You know, pastor, let's just speak as pastors for a moment. You ever notice in the spring, when we all spring forward, everybody's late, several people don't show up at all because they were just so late, and when we fall back and get an extra time to sleep and all that, everybody's late, some people don't show up. It doesn't matter, you know. In the spring, it's, they blame the time change, but in the fall, nobody even mentions it. Who was here an hour early because we felt, right, at least you're honest, you know. It's like that. Um, let's put that first slide up. This one famous preacher I've heard once or twice says he likes to start with something a little funny, so we got to, I, I picked out that first slide, the one with the sun. They're saying, which one? You sent us a bunch of them all out of order. I know. Nope, that's not it. The one with the sun. The banana, does that help? They might not have even gotten it. I don't know. I thought, I thought they did. And I can't see them. It's impossible to get cued when all you can see is the sunlight. Boom. Hallelujah. We're, they're working on it. Okay. Well, maybe we won't start with some. Okay, there we go. Some people don't understand how huge the sun actually is, so I added a banana for scale. Can anybody see the banana? I'd give you a better idea how big the sun is. Come on, that was a, that's funny. What's wrong with you people? Okay, I'll go to my second joke. It's good to be here today. I'll get back to the sun in a minute. It's good to be here today. Good to see y'all. Good to see Ernie in the house this morning. Fellow cancer survivor. Thank you, Ernie. This is gold. What is wrong with you people? Ernie and I have both lost 60 pounds from not all that long ago. We're, we're doing good. We're different, you know? Hallelujah. Ernie's always been a little bit different, you know. He really stands out from his brothers. It's okay, Ernie. Different is good, man. I'm a little different, too. If they haven't spotted it yet, they'll figure it out. Hallelujah. So the banana thing. I'm the banana, and Jesus is the sun. They're catching up, Dave. Dang. That's how it's supposed to be, right? It's all about Jesus. And so I want to testify and share a little bit. And I'm trying to be a blessing. And anything that's of Jerry, I always pray that God will just help you to quickly forget. You know, it's embarrassing for me and it's no help to you. So like, just forget about that guy. But anything that's of the Holy Spirit, anything that's of God, I pray he plants it deep in your heart and it brings forth fruit. I pray that he is glorified. Now there's a little bit of Jerry that wants to be glorified because I'm not fully arrived. No, I'm not a perfect man, you know, I'm, I'm trying. But part of me really wants to be impressive and look good. I want you to laugh at my jokes, and you didn't. <laughs> so we're both disappointed at this point, you know. We just need more Jesus. 
I want to be impressive. That's, that's, that's normal. I want you to like me. That's, that's normal, you know. As long as we don't get too hung up on that, I think a certain amount of it's okay. You know, we want to get along. We want people to like us. I'm a sanguine personality, which means I thrive on approval. So the more approval I get, you know, the more people laugh at my jokes. Thank you. Thank you, man. We're going to be here all day. This is great. Peter told me yesterday this was TMI, but it's, I've used it before with my church. I'm going to do it to you guys, too. Preaching is supposed to be an exchange. You know, real preaching, there's a, there's a give and take. It's not just some sage on a stage babbling away, droning on and on. I don't enjoy that in the audience, and I don't enjoy that when I'm up here. It's preaching is a lot like kissing. <laughs> Let me explain. I, you're kind of chuckling, but you're all like, uh. So preaching is a lot like kissing because if I go to my wife and I embrace her, I'm happily married, throw up that wedding picture, would you? The last one I sent you, not the first wedding picture, but you know what I mean. Okay. Yeah, that's me, the guy. Some of y'all remember that, but the rest of you probably need that guy with the hair is me, okay? And that wonderful lady over on the right, that's my wife. She's amazing. That picture was taken right here in Niagara Falls, and several of you here saw that in process. Pastor Dave was my best man at this wedding. So, yeah, I, I really do belong here. But, but so do you, and we'll maybe talk more about that in a bit, but... So when I kiss my wife, sometimes you go up and you kiss your wife. Guys, we don't need any amens because it's true for every single one of you. Sometimes you go up and you kiss your wife and it's like stone. It's like you don't know what you did or maybe it wasn't you. Maybe it was the kids or somebody else. But you don't know what's going on. But you go up and it's like, okay. How long does that kiss last? You know, it's like, uh. other times you kiss your wife and there's some warmth and there's some life and maybe even the lips move a little bit and you get a nice peck going on. That was, that was good. That was affirming, you know. Sometimes you kiss your wife and it's like Pentecostal kissing, you know what I mean? Kissing in tongues is really good, man. <laughs> Nothing like a good spirit-filled kiss, I'll tell you what. And those ones really last, you know. Those ones can go on and on. It's like Pentecostal preaching. Are you with me now? You know? So as long as you guys are kissing back, this may last a while. You know? Hallelujah. It's getting better, Dave. They're warming up to me. So I'm the banana. Right? When we respond to the Holy Spirit, it, it goes on. It gets better. See, God, the Holy Spirit, is available to every one of us. He's kissing on you all the time. Kiss back. Respond. Give him something to work with. 
you'll enjoy it more. I tell my wife this all the time, honey, you'll enjoy this more I really do tell my wife that, it's true. I'm gonna try real hard not to lie to you because God is right here with us, you know? It's like, I'm in the pulpit, you know, don't you dare lie. If you want God to bless it, being dishonest isn't gonna help, you know? Because we lie to make ourselves look good. As a lifelong liar, I can tell you, you know? Well, God delivered me, and I got over that really quick by his miraculous intervention. <sighs> I'm Jerry. Jerry Dupuy, knee Spadzinski. <laughs> I'm the other Spadzinski. Let me speak to all the grandkids. I'm your other uncle. Ron told me so. Jerry, I love you like, a, like you were my own son. You know that, eh? And I decided to believe him. Because he had given me every indication that he meant it. I got saved. <laughs> That's a whole other story. I, I, hmm. I'm a half-breed kid. Dad was French-Canadian with a touch of Iroquois, so I'm more Indian than anything else. Mom was full-blood Cree off the reservation in northern Ontario, Moose Factory Island. Anybody ever heard of it? Cool. I saw at least two heads nod. That's, that's awesome. Um, lived there until I was 11. Not a fan. The, for me, the res was a ghetto in the bush. Wasn't mostly a good experience. The bush was awesome. Dad had a rule. When we go out on the land, we don't drink. That'll kill you. That'll get you dead. So we didn't drink when we went camping. Life was great when we were camping. Because when we weren't camping... They drank, and they fought, and, and. It wasn't good. Weren't none of it good. Finally, that all came to a crashing conclusion when I was 11 years old, and I went to live with my aunt and uncle down near Cornwall on the Dupuy family farm. My aunt and uncle gave me an example of a good marriage. They were good people. There may have been some abuse involved, depending on who you ask and how you understood things. Um, corporal punishment was a regular part of my, my life. Um, but it was better than life on the res and better than life with dad, to be honest with you. So I thought it was a pretty good deal. By the time I was 18, I was a pretty angry young man, and I was joining the army. I was in the militia, actually, and was just about to qualify for private when they finally asked me to leave and not come back. I got an honorable discharge, which I'm very happy for. The sergeant major liked me, but my <laughs> antics would no longer be tolerated. So, I, I, yeah, even the army wouldn't have me. I was a very angry young man, and I went to live with Dad up in the Arctic, and that was a mess. And after getting my heart really badly broken by a young lady, who I probably never treated right to begin with because I didn't know any better, I moved to Montreal and lasted six months there. That was really my low, was, was Montreal. Um, at one point in Montreal, they told me that I could come to, they were planning a Christmas party. And, and they came and said that I could, and it, like, 
Three of them came to talk to me, my, my Montreal friends. It took three of them to come to talk to me. I, I, they were nervous about it, I guess, you know. Somebody could have just pulled me aside and said, you'd think, right? No, it took three of them to explain to me that I was welcome to come to the Christmas party, but I needed to take a bath first. Oh, well, excuse me. You smell too bad for normal company. And my friends at the time were a bunch of drug dealers and potheads. I mean, they were a mess. And even they didn't want me to come if I didn't clean myself up a little bit first. I, you get in the picture that I wasn't doing real well? <laughs> Thank you. I love it when the lips move a little bit. So I was a bad mess. Um, met this guy hitchhiking in Montreal. Okay, let's skip that. He invited me to come to Niagara Falls sometime. Well, I wore out my welcome in Montreal. It wasn't a good deal, and I decided to go to Niagara Falls and see what it was like there. It was March. So I hitchhiked from Montreal, and the rides were poor, and the weather wasn't good. It took me longer to get here than I really planned, and I arrived late one evening in Niagara Falls in March. I had come out of a blizzard in Montreal, and seven months before that, I was living on Baffin Island at what used to be called Frobisher Bay. They call it a Callowit now. So when I arrived in Niagara Falls, I thought, man, this is balmy. This is awesome. There's hardly any snow left on the ground. This is great. It was the warmest place I thought I'd ever been. And it was late, and so I spent my first night in Niagara Falls under the Lundy's Lane Bridge, overpass, whatever you want to call it. I had no place to go and really I had no money. I couldn't afford a room, certainly not in Niagara Falls. Rooms in Niagara Falls were pretty expensive. I, I just knew that. And the next day I went looking for work. and So that's how I ended up in Niagara Falls, rambling along. Managed to find work and got a room and met a girl, a woman really, Okay, another man's wife, 15 years older than me. We had an on and off relationship for the next several years. Some of y'all remember her, that was Olive. I was still with her when I got saved. Lived in Niagara Falls, lived with a rough crowd. Two or three rough crowds, I, I had different lives. I had different circles that I would go to because I knew people would only put up with me so, for so long. And so I would go from this crowd to that crowd I was um, adaptable. One of the groups I, I hang with, I hung with, was, was a, a group of black fellas, mostly family. They were pretty rough, and we always had drugs, and I had started selling drugs, so they liked me, because I always had drugs. That was my in for several of my crowds. That's how I ended up being best friends with Don Dakin. He was a crowd unto himself. Don and I did stuff and drank and got high and, and became best friends. And at most of my testimonies, I've always called him my best customer, but he rarely paid for anything. <laughs> and I know Don has shared his story and various aspects of his stories and adventures in the past, but here's one he probably hasn't told. One time, 
I invited my best friend Don to come and hang around with me and all my black friends. I know I'm on the interweb, so I'm trying to leave names out, so I'm identifying them by color. I know it's politically incorrect, but I'm sorry. I don't know where they are now or what's going on in their lives, and I don't want to bring all this, I, I don't want to put them in a negative light. So, and the only reason I bring up the race is because it identifies them as a different group from other groups. It's not a quality anything. But I was at a bad place at that time, and they were, they were a pretty tough bunch of guys. It's one of the things I liked about them. When I was with them, I felt safe. As long as I didn't make them mad. And I had drugs. Did I mention that part? So, we got along. I ran with a lot of tough crowds back then. Sometimes I thought I was tough, other times I knew better. So anyway, I invited my buddy and we're playing poker. Different kinds of poker. And it was possible to lose your paycheck at these friendly games of poker. You know, it wasn't for pennies, but it wasn't for thousands either. Every once in a while it would get up into, you know, a couple of hundred dollars, but for, for all of us small timers, that was a lot of money. So it was serious. And we're sitting there with this fairly serious crowd of tough guys and my friend Ronnie, good friend, comes over and hands my friend Don a beer and Don says, ah, oh, thanks Ronnie, mighty way to you. And stops. Talk about politically incorrect. That's just something Don would say and I'd heard him say it before and he didn't mean anything by it. That was, he was just, you know, but he forgot where he was for a moment and, and then Don froze but everybody else had froze before Don did, me included. And I knew my friend was about to die. And I wondered who's, which friend's side I was on. Like, was I going to die or was I going to survive this? I, you know? And I'm trying to sort out in my brain, because I invited Don to this, but he got himself in trouble. I'm trying to sort this out in my brain. As, and it's all happening really fast. And Don, always being quick on his feet, says, uh... Don was a real fast thinker and a fast talker. And he said, uh, true story. I remember it very well. Never forgot. Uh, that was his second word. I mean, I mean, I didn't mean, uh, and then this deep voice with a buffalo accent said, didn't mean what? It was getting worse. And Don said, uh, it was, Don was speechless. Do you believe me? As God is my witness. But it, and then Don said, maybe I should just go. And a different deep voice said, yeah, maybe you should. And with no further ado, he did. And me sitting there in shock and awe, he got up and left. And I, I didn't get up and leave with him. And then he was gone and it was too late to get up and leave with him. And I'm sitting there and somebody else says, who was that guy? And I looked up 
and they're all looking at me because I brought them. And then Ronnie said, oh, he's okay. And we resumed our card game. And I didn't say another word. I just played cards. And we all survived. Maybe I should just go. Maybe you should. And he left. And I'll tell you, it's a darn good thing he left. For him and for me. Because now we still have him. You get yourself in messes wandering around. You say things sometimes, and you know, oftentimes it don't matter. But then all of a sudden in this fallen world, things can just go right sideways. I've been sideways. I've encountered sideways. Sometimes you didn't mean anything by it, but there it all is sideways. And it's gotten really bad really fast. And how did I end up here? Don knew better. He really did. So did I. I had no business even being there. And I had no business bringing Don. But we were fearless fools. We were just partying our way through life, having a good time. And then things would go sideways. And by the grace of God, who we didn't even know at the time, we survived and kept muddling through. But we picked up a few scars. And by the time I was 25 and 26, I was a bad mess. Broken and wounded and lost. And then Jesus showed up. And Don and I got saved one night with my mom. My mom visited me twice in 14 years after the breakup. The second time she visited me, she stole $400 off the dresser. That was our rent money. Hadn't seen her for six, seven, eight years. Didn't know this woman who came to visit. She stayed for a couple of days and then she left with my rent money. My girlfriend, when mom was coming back, she called and said she was coming for a visit and I said okay and my girlfriend, whom I had split up with and gotten back together, remember I said on again, off again, she said, who was that? I said, it was my mom. And she said, what does she want? I said, she's coming to visit. She said, she's coming here? Now this girlfriend didn't do drugs, but she knew I did and knew what I did. And when you're a small-time drug dealer, you don't let yourself get stiffed or you'll be out of business and broke and owing other people money, right? So I, I knew that. She knew that about me. And she said, she's coming here? I said, well, yeah. She said, she stole the rent. I said, don't leave anything lying around. Put it up, you know. What do you do with your mom when she's like that and you're like this? I, I had no idea. Wasn't used to having a mom around. I had no idea. So the guy I was working for at the time had offered me Billy Graham tickets. Well, there's something I could take mom to. Right? I couldn't take her downtown because everybody would be asking me, you know, 
So that was something I could do with mom. That's why I went. And when I was getting, when I got tickets, my girlfriend got a little jealous and said, well, aren't you bringing me? I didn't think you'd want to go. And so I told Don, Olive's all mad because I got these Billy Graham tickets to take mom to see the thing and now she wants to go. And Don said, huh, well, I'll go with you, man. Well, thanks for the support, but I don't. So I went back to my boss and I asked if he had any more tickets. Now, those of you that have been in church for more than a couple of weeks probably know that everything Billy Graham does is free. You don't need tickets. They want everybody to come, right? It's like church. You just show up. I didn't know. And my boss had given me VIP special guest passes to Billy Graham at Cops Coliseum. Those are sinner cards. Right? You show up and you offer them your VIP special guest pass and all the good Christians go, heathen, put this guy in the front, you know. This guy needs an altar call. Because everybody in the church world knows you don't need those. But I had no clue. And so I went back to my boss and asked if he had any more tickets available. And he smiled and said, oh, I think I can still get you some. Hallelujah. And by the end of the day, he said, hey, I, I made a call to my friend and he had a couple more of these passes for you. Well, thank you so much. My gosh. You know, I've attended, I, I attended the Eric Clapton concert at Cops Coliseum and getting special passes for those, man, you had to know somebody. Fortunately, my boss Peter knew somebody, right? And we got, me and Don and Mom all got gloriously saved. Had no business. I wasn't looking for Jesus. I was living with a woman, another man's wife. She was paying my bills. She had bought me a 1,000cc motorcycle. I, I had the world by the tail. I had a great big stereo system and a wall full of videos and record albums. I had over 300 albums in my LP collection. I had it going on, man. I had a seven-foot leather couch. I had it going on. I, I had all the drugs I wanted, and all I had to do was sell a little bit, and I could stay in my, in my own. I wasn't looking for Jesus. I had the world by the tail. I was living large. I had arrived. And then Jesus showed up and said, I know everything you ever did. And I wanted to crawl under a rock. And in the very same breath, he said, but you can start over again with a clean slate. Start all over. And I thought it was the best deal I ever heard in my life. And I wanted some of that. And when Billy finally said, this is your time, come on down here and we'll pray, I stood up and turned left and bumped into something. And I looked down and there was my girlfriend's knees. And I looked at her, and she wasn't looking at me. She was looking down at her knees. And I said, aren't you coming? And she just shook her head, no. And I made a quality decision. And then I noticed that walking down the aisle between the seats ahead of me was Don, but I quickly lost him in the crowd and the tears. I got gloriously saved, and I cried my eyes out. And it was probably the first time I had cried in a decade or more because I just didn't. 
I didn't love anybody or myself because that'll get you hurt. My first sermon at my church in Niagara Falls, I said, if you love somebody, you're going to get hurt. Love anyways. It's inevitable. If you love somebody, you're going to get hurt. And on the street, I learned not to care about anybody because that'll give them a way to hurt you. And so I didn't. I was dead. I was literally dead in my trespasses and sin. I, didn't, I had a buddy named Don. He was my best friend. And after he walked out of that life or death encounter, somebody said, who was that guy? I was still there. Part of me says, and I loved Don even then. Really? If the wolves had leapt on him, would I have stood up for him? Or would I have stood with my other crowd? I honestly can't say for sure. Because Jesus had not changed me yet. So I showed you my wedding picture. Let, you, let me show you the other wedding picture. Somebody shout when it's up there, because I don't know. Oh, did I hear a yep? There we go. Okay, now you can recognize me in that picture, right? I'm the one second from the right. Second from the left, that's my wife. The one on the very end is my daughter. Don't confuse the two. The couple in the middle is my son, my oldest son, Jeffrey, and his new bride, Vanessa. They got married three weeks ago. The one on the end is my second son, Samuel. Sam and Karis were both born here in Niagara Falls while we were pastoring in this church. I was here for a short time. I got saved the very next Sunday morning. I was in church on Morrison Street. And that little church loved on me and I never went anywhere else. Ron taught me to read my Bible. I've told my church, and they all know the answer, what's the most important thing you can do this year? Read your Bible. I've been a Christian now for 30 years. Ron taught me to get through my Bible at least once a year, Jerry. I haven't always been perfect. But I've got a little grace there. The very first year Ron got us started reading the Bible, we raced. And trying to catch up to Ron Spadzinski, I read my Bible two and a half times that first year. The next year, he said, this year we're going to do it different. We're going to read our New Testament once a month. And I started reading my New Testament. And trying to catch up to Pastor Ron, I read my New Testament eight times that year. I never did keep up to Ron. And so I was in the habit of reading my Bible. My buddy Don also picked up the habit. I went off to Bible college and seminary and completed a master's degree before coming back here to pastor the church. Why all the schooling? Because I'm a slow learner. 
while I was pastoring in Niagara Falls, I started a doctoral program. And now I'm the Right Reverend Bishop Dr. Jerry Dupuy. Not bad for, not bad for a half-breed off the res, eh? I'm still just a reser reservation punk at heart. But Jesus had been doing a lot of work in my life. And you know, I've been going to school longer than I went to high school. I've got more post-secondary education than I have education up to high school. I have two postdoctoral certifications. At one time, I was proficient in Hebrew and Greek. I could sight-read Hebrew and had to translate Ruth out of the Greek or the Hebrew Bible. Can't do it anymore. Lots of schooling because I'm a slow learner. But those first two years on Morrison Street laid all the foundations and everything I learned after that was just details. The important stuff, love God, love your neighbor, be obedient. Obedience, Jerry. Obedience is the path to blessing, Jerry. You saw that wedding photo? All three of those kids are currently serving the Lord. Number one son had us worried for a while. He's doing much better now. And by the grace of God, none of them were ever the mess that I was when I started this. I pastored here for three years. So I've got five years and some part-time years in this church. But the impact on my life is way out of proportion to anything else. This church, this church made me who I am. Obedience. But if you know the Spazinskis, it's intimidating. I mean, they're so good, right? At everything they do, they're so good. They do everything with excellence, and it's freaky for the rest of us. You Spazinskis, I'll tell you what God gave me to tell Andrew one time several years ago. Problem with you is you think you're normal. You're not normal. You're brilliant. You have a genetic advantage from Opa, from Reinhold. You have a genetic advantage. You're smarter than most of us. Just that's just biological. You're born with that. You can't take any credit. Thank your grandparents. The fact that you didn't get involved with drugs and burn your brains out has probably helped some. <laughs> Jesus healed me a lot. After the life I would lived and all that, I went on to Bible college and God helped me to get straight A's in Bible college. God does miracles. He really does. And he can heal and restore and he will equip you for the work he's called you to. And for a while I was called to be a scholar and, and he helped me to do that. And he paid all my bills and he took care of it. He provides for everything you need in his will. Obedience is the path to blessing. Follow God wherever he's calling you, wherever he's leading you. You're just the banana. And the ultimate goal is for us to be completely consumed in that holy fire. Burned up for Jesus. 
That's the goal. Until there's none of me and all of him. That's the goal. So it's intimidating coming to Pastor Dave's church. Because Dave... Dave's been my role model in many ways. Because Ron... Ron laid the foundations, and Ron was a great example to me, but I could never be Ron. He was just too flippin' good. There is no way that I could achieve that, ever. Not even with God's help. <laughs> you know, it's intimidating, because so, he was so good. But Dave was closer to my age. Actually, I'm older than he is. I know it doesn't show. Dave was closer to my age, and, and we shared some musical affinity. and So he was an example to me, too, and it's intimidating to come back. I mean, the, Dave has paid me the highest compliment he's ever paid me by asking me to speak today. I've been pastoring my little church now for 16 years. I learned well from Ron, and I don't let anybody mess with my sheep. A shepherd's number one job is not to feed the sheep. A shepherd's number one job is to keep the wolves from eating the sheep. We're protectors. So nobody gets my pulpit without God saying so. I don't let just anybody in there before God. That's my job. And so Dave says, would you preach on Sunday? Folks, I've arrived. But it's intimidating. Because what am I going to tell you guys that he hasn't already said better? See, I know this guy, and I know he's a better speaker than I am, and I know he studies more than me, and I know he knows his Bible better than I do. And yeah, I know I've got all this educational stuff, but he grew up with Ron for a dad. I can't touch that. I don't have a professor who can touch that. And all you Spazinskis, you have Ron. You have his legacy. It's not just the genetics, it's the blood of Jesus flowing through his veins and yours. And so what can I possibly bring that hasn't been said better and stronger and smarter and more anointed and holier? And What have I got? But God said, I belong here. You belong here. You're an essential part of this church. God needs you here. And today, God needs me here and you need me. And you need to hear something in all of this. Do you trust God? And so I'm up here this morning because I trust God. Because in myself, I'm thinking, what am I going to say? What have I got? These are my notes, and they improved greatly through worship. <laughs> that quarter page of little scribble. But in my father's house, there's a place for me. Authentic praise and worship is prophetic. Thank you. 
the songs that your worship leaders pick to sing. They didn't just pick them. God's in that. God's using that for his people, you and me. And we have an opportunity to be blessed. When Dave says, shout unto the Lord, you have an opportunity to be blessed. I don't want to meddle too much, but some of you missed your opportunity today. You missed a blessing. Next time your pastor says, shout, for the grace of God, shout. You know how I got here? By shouting when he told me to. By kneeling down when he told me to. And when he said, let's stand up and worship the Lord, I stood up and worshiped the Lord, no matter what my week had been like. Ron taught me that. Obedience is the path to blessing. Well, I don't feel like shouting. My wife kisses me sometimes when she doesn't really feel like it. Because she wants the blessing. She wants a strong marriage. There's times when we've been fussing. When we've been fighting. Now, don't get me wrong. I've got a godly, submitted wife. Having an opinion doesn't mean you're out of submission. And when you're dealing like a thick head like Jerry, you need to speak up. My wife has learned to speak up. That being said, there are days when I haven't been the shining knight in armor, anointed gentleman that I should be, and I lean in for a kiss because I'm oblivious. I didn't even know that I was being a jerk. I, I would just be in Jerry and not Jesus. Happens, you know. And I'll lean in for a kiss and she'll kiss me back. Now sometimes, because I'm not entirely thick-headed, Sometimes I will notice that it perhaps was not as passionate a response as could have been. And I'll say, what's up? And she'll say, it's okay. And in my wise and intelligent moments, I'll say, okay. Sometimes when I'm bold and courageous and stupid, I'll say, no, what's up? And she, we've been together long enough that she'll say, do you really want to know? <laughs> Obedience is the path to blessing. And so this morning I'm supposed to be here. And you're supposed to be here. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Yesterday when I had an opportunity to come up after dawn and share, I said, hi, I'm Jerry, I'm the other rascal, and I almost wanted to say, I'm the hallelujah in the back corner. That's just me. And y'all don't have to be me. But when a man of God says shout, my advice would be shout. You'll get blessed. You know, my wife kisses me back when she's not really in the mood because I've been an idiot. Because she wants a strong marriage. And despite how she feels in the moment, she really does love me. And you know, love, again, Ron taught me this. 
Love isn't the feeling. Love is the choice. Love is the decision you make. Love is how you act when you don't feel like it. That other stuff, that's just fun. That's just lust. That's just whatever. That ain't love. If you're enjoying it, you probably weren't really motivated by love. Or at least love certainly isn't being tested. Uh, yeah, I, I, I suppose love can sure be a lot of fun, can it? Yeah, it can. Love can feel pretty good sometimes. It can. But it can also hurt like a booger. This week, the man I loved the most hurt me deeply. He left. He abandoned me. He ran off to a better place and broke my heart. He's not the first one to do that to me. My dad did that when I was 11. Now Ron's done it too. You hear how that echo can be so bitter? How do you respond to pain? Do you trust him? All things work together for good. Do you trust him? Oh, but it hurts. Yeah, but do you trust him? But it wasn't supposed to be this way. Says who? They never should have done that. Probably so. But what are you going to do with it? Obedience is the path to blessing. Whom the sun sets free. Walk in your freedom. You don't have to be in bondage to sin and death. You don't have to be in bondage to unforgiveness. Yeah, they did that. You have no choice about that. Your response, you have a choice about. Do you trust him? I'm running out of time, so that was my introduction. <clears throat> Let's bring up my actual sermon, would you? I just want to share this briefly. The Lord is my shepherd. Hey, Spazinski kids, I'm talking to you, and every time you see this thing from now on, I want you to remember this. That's why I use this picture. Because I'm talking to this church, but I'm also talking to the Spazinskis, which is a little nerve-wracking. It's intimidating. Remember what I said? What business have I got? But I'm your long-lost uncle. I'm your missionary uncle. You know why I'm not in this church? Because God sent me away. You know why I don't show up here every Sunday morning? Because God said not to. And that's the only reason. In many ways, my heart is still here. And in many ways, this is still home. And y'all are still my family. And while I was gone, y'all had a bunch of kids. And you grew up. And now I've got all these spiritual brothers and sisters that I never met. But we're family. Dave said it this morning. We're family. And he was talking to all of us, not some with a specific last name. The Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 23. I'm a hospice chaplain. Did I mention that? I see dead people everywhere. I've been a hospice chaplain for 15 years. I've attended hundreds and hundreds of deaths. 
rough estimate of between 2,500 and 3,000 families that I've served over the last while. That's one of the reasons why I'm in Southwest Kansas. I'm a missionary to America, and I'm reaping in a harvest of souls. And many of them are people with a childhood like mine. The details differ, but sin and a fallen world and a broken family is common. When I started this work, I wasn't sure I could do it very long because, because narrow is the way that leads to life and broad is the path that leads to destruction. And I wondered how long I could manage going and seeing people die and go to hell. The reality of that is horrific and freaky and I didn't think I'd be able to keep that up very long. But it seemed like where the Lord was leading, so I decided to give it a try because obedience is the path to blessing, and so I'm going to be obedient. And I started trying to help people out. And you know what I found out? That the grace of God that I so delight in in my life is even bigger and better and more beautiful than I ever thought. And I started going and showing up at homes and saying, I'm just here to remind you that God loves you. I'm your chaplain. Can I pray for you? I'll be praying for you. Can I pray with you? And they started saying yes. I said, do you know about Jesus? Well, I kind of remember something about Sunday school when I was a kid. They've lived like hell their whole lives. They're dying in their 50s because their livers quit, because they just kept drinking. They're dying in their... 40s because they just didn't want to stop doing meth because the pain of a broken world and a broken life was just too much and they needed to escape from it all and that false utopia seemed better but it's killing them now and I walk in and I say I'm just here to tell you that God loves you it doesn't matter what you've done to yourself or everybody else at this point God loves you and he's got a place for you Jesus died for your sins. Can I pray with you? And they keep saying yes. It's a gimme. It's not tough evangelism. They're standing there looking at dying in the next few days or weeks. They're standing there looking at eternity stretched out before them. They're standing there where they can practically smell the smoke. And they're scared and they're desperate. And I walk in and say, Jesus loves you. Man, they grab onto me like a life preserver in a stormy sea. Because that's what I am. I needed a doctorate to be able to land this job. That's why they hired me. Was because I was the most qualified. I had a doctorate. I don't need a doctorate to say Jesus loves you. <laughs> I knew that my first day as a Christian. And that's really all I share. They don't care about apologetics or Greek or Hebrew. They don't care about any of that. They need to know that they still have a shot at heaven. And that's what I offer them. I read to them, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I read it to them and they say, amen, they're saved. If you say Psalm 23 and mean it, you're going to heaven. That is an adequate sinner's prayer. I won't bore you with all the details, but I have 
14 years of theological training. I know Hebrew and Greek. I'm Dr. Jerry. Will you trust me on this one? If you say the Our Father and mean it, you're going to heaven. Even if you are Catholic. <laughs> it don't matter what you're wrong about. It's what you're right about that matters. Jesus loves you. So give yourself a little grace because God has given you an abundance. Jesus loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son. John 3.16. Ron taught me this one. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But you know what Ron taught me even better than that? My favorite verse isn't 3.16. My favorite verse is 3.17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. <laughs> but that through him the world might be saved. <laughs> Folks, this Bible is not about cutting people out. It's about bringing them in. Quit cutting people out. Don't judge them. Don't condemn them. And don't let them judge or condemn you. You're growing in Jesus Christ, but you're washed in the blood of the Lamb. You're holy and acceptable in the Beloved. The Lord is my shepherd, and I belong here. And I've shared that with a couple thousand plus people who are in heaven now. You know, I'm supposed to fill out a form for my ministerial reports, and I never know what to say, Dave. Who got converted? Who got rededicated? Who got sanctified? Who got spirit-filled? Well, if they spoke in tongues. That one's easy for us Pentecostals, because that's what we say. And I believe in the initial evidence, but boy, I've seen some people that don't talk in tongues that are so much better Christians than me. It messes with me, Dave. Obedience is your path to blessing. And you know when I walk in and I tell somebody Jesus loves you and he died for your sins, can I pray with you? I'm going to say a prayer. They can't talk. Sometimes they're not even conscious, but I've been trained by my doctors and nurses and people that I work with, the medical training, that the hearing is the last sense to go. And so even if they can't respond to you, you can still talk to them. And we coach families with that and tell them, go ahead and tell them that you're here and tell them that you love them. Because it's possible and depending on what they've got, it might even be likely that they can still hear you, but they can't respond. And so we share, right? And we can still pray with them and maybe they heard and we never know who God has in or out. God is the judge, not me. But you know, there's a verse in the Bible that says... When I pray, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. You know what that makes me think, Dave? Now, I'm not sure, not positive, and I've studied the Greek, and I can maybe make a case for it, but I'm still not sure. But you know what I think? I, I think that we can speak to people's spirits even when the mind isn't present. They might be unconscious, asleep. They might be in a coma. Parents. Pregnant moms. Talk to your kids about Jesus. Pray over them and lay hands on them. And if they won't sit still for it, put them to sleep. And pray over them. And lay hands on them. 
And if they're too light a sleeper and you can't get away with that, stand in the doorway of their room at night and pray to their spirits. Rebellious little punk, Jesus loves you. He didn't come into this world to condemn you, but that through you he might be saved. And as the believing parent, I declare in the name of Jesus that your rebelliousness will be overcome and that you will be welcomed into the embrace of a holy and loving God who's going to change your life, who's going to make your way plain before you, who's going to be a shepherd, who's going to go out after the one. He's going to leave the 90 and 9. He's going to go out after the one. And he's going to wrap you up and drag you kicking and screaming into the kingdom of God. This is my declaration in Jesus' mighty name. You think Satan's a bad devil. I'm a godly dad. Not on my watch, kids. Not on my watch, devil. You, you don't have this one. Because my God. Because my God. I ain't much. But my God. He's made me some promises. You know, the older I get, the more Calvinist I get. Because I like those promises. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. At the end, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. I still only see a black blob, so let me close up. Remember I said I had a sermon. Here's my four points. <clears throat> the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord. It's actually his name. Jehovah, Yahweh, that's who my shepherd is. It's not a Lord, it's some not some Lord. David didn't use God as my shepherd. He made it very specific. There's only one, the Lord. There's only one, Jehovah. He's preeminent. Not some God, not a God, but the one true and living God. The Lord Almighty is his name. Jehovah, Yahweh. Jesus, that God, that's who he is. He's preeminent. That's who my shepherd is. Not just anybody else. He introduced himself by name. I have a relationship with him. We're on a first name basis. He's my shepherd. The Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm breaking with tradition. I got four points, okay, not three. The Lord is my shepherd. Point one, Jehovah, the Lord. Point two, is. The Lord is my shepherd. Not was. I'm a current believer. The Lord is my shepherd, and he's with me right now, right here. The Lord is my shepherd. Not will be. I'm not waiting to get saved one day. I'm not putting it off so I can enjoy some sin until. The Lord is my shepherd. He's with me right here and now. He's a present help in time of darkness. And he's with me in the midst. So the Lord, he's preeminent. He's above all. The Lord is. He's present. He's here and now. The Lord is my shepherd. He might be your shepherd. He might be somebody else's shepherd. But he is my shepherd. This is a personal relationship. He's my shepherd. I don't know what he is for you, but I do know what he is for me, and he's all mine, and I am all his. He's going to take care of me. 
and no matter what other people say or do or how they act, he is going to take care of me and he is going to guide me. And when he led me out of here, well, the good King James would say, verily, verily, it sucketh. didn't particularly want to leave this comfortable spot where I was well-loved. But he had another idea. He was leading me. Leading me where? Well, the book says, beside the still waters. He leadeth me to green pastures. But it's so good here. Why would I want to go anywhere else? And that's the way a sheep will often think. But he's my shepherd, and he's got a plan for my life, and he knows what's best for me. And I didn't need to be here anymore, not for me and not for you. I had everything of Ron that I needed. I wanted more. I'm a greedy little guy, I really am. But I wanted more of Jesus than I wanted of Ron. Because I had learned already that all the good things about Ron was Jesus. And so when he led me on, I followed because he's my shepherd. And that's what shepherds do. They lead us. Follow him. Follow him. He's got a good plan for you and he's going to take you someplace wonderful. The Lord is my shepherd. So he's a He's a preeminent person in my life. He's number one. He's above all. He's the Lord. He's Jehovah. He's present. He's with us all the time. He's alive in eternity, which means he's alive right here, right now, in every moment of your life. He never gets left behind, and he's never too far away that he's not with you. The Lord is. And he's my shepherd. He's your shepherd. He's personal. He's intimate. And a shepherd's number one job is not just provision. Yes, we know Jehovah Jireh. We know he's our provider. But you know what I like even better than that in this scary world? Is that he's my protector. I can trust him. Ain't no way that a wolf is going to get past him. And anything that happens in my life, I've come to understand that the Lord permits. He's my protector. Nobody can outmuscle him. Nobody can deceive him. Nobody can sneak past him. And so when darkness draws near and pain interrupts my life, do I trust him? The Lord is my shepherd. He's my protector. And if this pain has encountered me, it must be here for a reason. God has allowed this for some reason. And maybe I need to hurt and suffer so that my son will be saved again. Maybe I need to hurt and suffer so that somebody else can bear witness. Maybe I need to go, for some reason, do I trust him? Jesus suffered and bled and died for my blessing. And I have fasted and prayed so that I might be like Jesus. Here comes your cross, Jerry. Here comes the nails, Jerry. Here comes the whip, Jerry. Here comes the crown. Oh, sorry, Jerry. It's not a velvet-lined gold crown that your master wore. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. 
When pain interrupts my life, I know that the Lord is my shepherd. I know that he's my protector. And he can outfight anyone or anything. And if this has gotten past him, there's a reason. There's a reason do I trust him. He's my shepherd. Is he your shepherd? Will you let him be your shepherd? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and grace in each of our lives, as always. It's because of the Lord's great love that we are not consumed, for his mercies never fail. Thank you, Lord, that you never fail. Thank you, Lord, that though we oft times fall short, you uplift us by your righteous right hand. You wash us in the blood of Jesus, your son. You cleanse us and you set us free. Lord, let us walk in that freedom. Let us walk in that strength and power that we might be witnesses of you. Father, I thank you for the opportunity you've given me to share with these beautiful people. God, I pray as always that you would wash away everything that was of me and not of you. I pray that you would magnify yourself in each of their lives, that you would magnify your word and that they would hear what your spirit is saying to this church. I pray, God, that it would go down into their hearts and minds, that it would go down into their spirit, and that it would bring forth fruit. I pray, God, that you would grow each of us into the likeness and image of your amazing son. Use us, Lord, for your glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. What a beautiful testimony. And what a beautiful uh, uh, illustration, especially of Jesus Christ, that uh, he is our shepherd. Uh, we need him. We need him like never before. And uh, that we would follow him. But can, let's stand together. I just, if you are here, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be your shepherd. He died for you. He died for you. And he wants to lead you in paths of righteousness. Good. What he has for you is good. And to recognize that we have an eternity with him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lord, I just, I pray at this time, there's anyone here that doesn't know you, Lord, that they would place their faith and their trust in you, Jesus. You died for them. You took all, everything of their sin that would hold them apart from you. You took it all. Lord, that they would allow you to be their shepherd. Lord, that they would, they would follow you. Lord, that they would recognize daily your sacrifice for them. Just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for life. I'm free.
I've been set free from the, the bondage, destruction of sin, and even to be dead in trespasses and sins. Lord, you have made me alive. Let me live my life for you. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray this for those that don't know you. Lord, those that may be watching online that are, are just caught this wonderful message today, this beautiful testimony today. Lord, that they would give their life to you. They would serve you with all their heart. Lord, you are good. Lord, I pray blessing on each and every one here. Lord, what we have, that we would understand what we have in you, the life that we have in you. And Lord, the things you have blessed us with and gifted us with and your goodness and love. Lord, I just pray we would recognize that. Lord, that we would be that light and that witness to let others know, just as our brother is able just to, to share of you to those that recognize they only have moments left to live. Weeks, perhaps hours, perhaps minutes. And Lord, to extend a lifeline because you, in you, Lord Jesus, we have salvation. Jehovah, God is salvation. Lord, we just thank you. In you, we have salvation. Lord, let us share that with others, Lord. Lord, I just pray. I pray your anointing on each and every one, the anointing of your spirit. I pray your hand upon each and every one, that they would sense your comfort, your love, your peace. Lord, I pray a rejuvenation of their spirit and their faith in you and their trust. I will trust the Lord. And Lord, that we would bring your name in who we are and what we do, what we say, that we would glorify you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Love you so much. And it's so good to have you here this morning. Have a wonderful day. Pray for one another. Love one another. Reach out to somebody as the Lord would prompt you. We have an awesome God. God bless you. God. Hey, thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. Just want you to know you can find full live stream services on our website, lighthouseniagara.com.